Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to The Tiny Room. I am your co-host for the podcast, Michael. Today I am joined by Taskmaster, uh, three quarters of Thanos, and Ben. Say hello, Ben. Hello, Ben. Hi, Thanos. Three quarters of you. Three quarters of Thanos. Four fifths, five Four. sixths. Stop doing maths. We, we it's an action we, figure. Thing. No, no. When we when we started when we started doing this podcast, you promised me a minimal amount of maths, and you've mentioned figures in the last three episodes, and I'm not happy about it. Uh, very good. You see, what you've done there is use the word figures relating to action figures, but also figures <laughs> relating to numbers. <laughs> you spotted it. Okay. Very good, Ben. Okay. Speaking of figures, have you seen the box office figures for Black Panther? Oh, smooth transition. <laughs> I haven't seen them. I think we both know I haven't seen them. No, look, it, it just keeps on rolling. It's the juggernaut that keeps on giving. Um, it has surpassed in in America in the domestic box office, bloody oh. imperialists, uh, in the domestic box office. Uh, it it has surpassed Avengers as the highest grossing comic book movie of all time. Well, I think we both know that I'm quite happy about that because um, I'm not a huge <laughs> Avengers fan. Fuck them. Um, well. You know, I'm not even talking about it from a perspective, but I mean, what a what a pop culture juggernaut that turned out to be. Yeah, no, dude, that thing is that that's really hit a note with people. I think you know, I'd say Hollywood shitting themselves. Yeah. <laughs> Do you so, think we're only going to see films set in fictional African countries from now on? All, all I know is there's a pack of very white men in a room going, I had no idea they had thoughts and opinions. Oh, Jesus. There's, there's a pack of very racist white men in suits in a room somewhere going... Doing a podcast. I, I didn't know they were a demographic. <laughs> I didn't know it mattered. It has even um, it has even surpassed a Star Wars film. It, it outgrossed Good. The Last Jedi. The Last Jedi was, was apparently not that great, though. It wasn't wonderful, Ben, but, I mean, it just, it has the Star Wars name on it, and that, the Star Wars name sells. Fifth highest grossing film, in real terms, not adjusted for inflation, in American cinema history. I mean, it's a juggernaut. It's a juggernaut. Is that why you put Star Wars on your CV in between your first name and your second name? Yeah. <laughs> Hold on, I'll come up with a zinger for that. <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> Wasn't a great singer. Blunt. Wasn't one of your best. Um, I have another very important question to do with Black Panther. Hit me, Um, Ben. To to spoil next week's shocking reveal, uh, I'm coming back to Dublin for one week uh, next Saturday. Um, Do you think it's still be in cinemas or is it gone? It is still in cinemas currently. Excellent. Well, here's hoping it's still there next Saturday. I um, can't see why it wouldn't be. I think it's going to hang in there until Infinity War. Although, Ben, it's a busy time for cinema. We've had Bla- Black Panther, then we had Tomb Raider, mm-hmm. Specific Jim. Specific Jim. Um, specific Jim 2, more specifically. And that other thing, Ready Player One. So they might push it out of the out of the multiplexes, uh, as well, they say. Look, I'll, I'll keep an eye out for it. I'm, I'm going to... I'll hunt it down. And I won't have to ask in Italian, excuse me, uh, do you have uh, the, the Panther Nero? Ble- no. Ben, that's where you've been going wrong. Excuse me is actually English. Ah, you serious? Ben, speaking of pop culture juggernauts. Yes. Did you see the trailer for Marvel's Cloak and Dagger? Um, no. No, no. Didn't. You see, I fooled you there because I, uh, you thought I was going to talk about Deadpool, but I, I'm not. Or perhaps Marvel's... Captain America. Uh, yeah, but you didn't. You didn't. No, Ben. Look, it's generic. 
It's a generic. It looks like a parody of a teen superhero oh, show. Fuck. It's the least I've ever wanted to see a Marvel thing. Good. Good. It means you're you're developing a palette. That's that's nice. That's nice. Don't patronize I, me. I, I thought after Agents of Shield we'd never we'd never recover. I Agents didn't. of Shield is great. Yeah, is it though? Yes. I Agents don't... of Shield is the best current Marvel TV show. Um, I think you're wrong. Well, you don't watch it, so your opinion is invalid. Well, it's never stopped me expressing my opinion before. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So yeah, Ben, look, it's very generic. Okay. There's a girl right. and there's a boy. I think they come from opposite sides of the track. They they fall in love or not. Uh, I, I, oh, no, I fell asleep I, during a 90-second trailer. I, I see what you've done, Michael. No, no, that's that's not an upcoming Marvel show, Michael. That's a really old play by a very famous English playwright called um, William Shakespeare. No, Ben, it's actually a song by Avril Lavigne. Oh, is he a skater boy? No, he can pass into a shadow dimension and teleport. But does she say, see you later, boy? No, she can form daggers of pure light energy to, to throw at people. Well, I just hope he's good enough for her. That was, that was almost sounded like it was rehearsed. Yeah, that was pretty good. <laughs> um, but yeah. <laughs> okay. So yeah, in other words, we don't have to rush out and, and see that one, even though it's not in cinemas. We don't have to tune no, in for that one. We don't, we, don't have to, nah. we don't have to completely legally and above boardly watch that. Look, Ben, I'm going to give it a watch because, as you know, I have a compulsion and it's an addiction and you, it's a serious yeah. problem. But you have a completionist fetish. I'm not going to enjoy it. Good. Good, good. That's, that's ben, Deadpool. Deadpool, yeah, interesting. Didn't didn't see it having the tone that I saw. Um, a lot of swearing for a trailer. A lot of swearing for a trailer. A lot of, uh, a lot of the fat kid from, uh, from Hunt for the Wilder People. Big fan. Big fan. Yeah. I, I think he has a name. I don't think it's, it's fair to refer to him as the um, fat kid. Right, hang on. Give me a second. Let me. Let me. This is not Julian fat shaming. I was just choosing something that is quite easy to. <laughs> it wasn't fat shaming. We don't fat shame here at the podcast. If we did, I wouldn't be allowed on. Um, yeah. Oh. So, um, yeah. Uh, so hang on a second now. Oh. This is quality podcast material. Uh, quality. We, do you know what? We just we just knock it out of the park sometimes. <laughs> I would say that Taika Waititi has probably had something to do with it. Oh, for sure. Um, yeah, he was definitely. He Pop someone was juggernaut. someone was definitely like, um, "Ah, here, lads, we need a we need a a kid with some attitude for the thing." And Taika just happened to be passing by in what I can imagine is a magnificent mustache and Hawaiian shirt of some kind. And uh, he said, "Julian Dennison, check him out." That's the one. Check well him done. out. Julian well Dennison, check him out. Isn't it interesting that they're doing X Force? Yeah, I think that's very interesting. Um, last last of the franchises um, mm. that they can hold on to, I guess, before it all goes tits up. I, well, I think, it's, whole... I think it's interesting that Deadpool's going to lead X-Force. I think that's even more interesting. Well, he's um, the franchise character, isn't he? Well, I know, but it's just an interesting choice. To, it, what's really interesting is it's a complete subversion of the original comic, mm-hmm. um, which I find very interesting. Because they're fighting Cable, you see. Yeah, but Cable is the original owner of X-Force and, uh, well, not owner, but original founder of X-Force and they actually had to take on Deadpool once upon a time. Mm. Um, Deadpool in his original incarnation was quite a serious soul. Um, 
which is something that's kind of kept under wraps. He was a, a very serious 90s character with biceps and feelings. Um, yeah, it's crazy. Anyway, uh, what do you think? I, I don't know. Um, it's, I kind of liked it. It still looks good. But yeah. I, I think maybe they've gotten a lot of flack about um, about the silly tone in a lot of the trailers. Because, Possibly. Because that one was a, a far more serious affair. The best gag in it is um, from the studio that brought you 27 dresses and that was the devil good. wears Prada. That's a, a sweet little gag. That was pretty funny. I like the trailer. I I think it's it's nice. It's very much the... I imagine that's the studio boss's trailer. That's the... Let people see it's really a superhero film. Stop messing yeah, around. I think so. I think so. Um, because we've had enough funny now, but I think maybe the, the, the unfinished CGI arm gag um, might this have is been... the makeup for that. One step too far, you know. Um, <laughs> one step... I, I thought it was pretty funny, but... Um, I thought it was pretty funny, but maybe not everybody did. Maybe not every studio exec saw the funny side yeah mm. sitting in their mm. racist meeting snorting cocaine off hookers while simultaneously being nervous about the fact that black people have opinions and are a value demographic yes yeah it was a whole thing um it was a whole thing anyway <laughs> anyway um yeah from one from one serious piece of news to another serious piece of news mr chris evans is stepping down michael well mr. go on Unless he's unless he's pulling an L an L Downey Jr. and and upping the paycheck ante. Well, that's it. Like in in these Hollywood scenarios, negotiating through interviews is kind of how it works, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. I, On I the think... other hand, I mean, Ben, how many movies has he been in? Chris, he see, he, he owes an awful lot to Marvel because they took him from buff romantic lead in every rom com ever to. Um, valuable actor but he, you don't see him in much outside Captain America he probably doesn't have bloody time he's that's, always Captain america about the place that's true that's um, very true what was he what was he a rom-com man in that's not how I imagine him um, he was in that fucking shocking yoke with uh, Anna Faris what's your number oh yeah that wasn't Remember great that? and yeah. he's popped up in some other ones he was in Scott Pilgrim as one of the evil exes yeah that was pretty good that was pretty funny. I, I I generally think of him as the the he was until Captain America the kind of B list sidekick character who stole the show. Yeah, he's usually he's quite a charming fucker, um, and easily one of the best things about the original Fantastic Four. Yeah, he was yeah, also the best thing about the movie The Losers. Oh, he was in the Lo- Oh, I forgot about that. Jeffrey Dean Morgan's good good laugh, but no, generally speaking, I think he has a very easy charisma. Um, that makes him a bit of a bankable, bankable sort of soul. He's a very handsome man. He's a very handsome man. He's one of the handsome Chris's. He's one of, there's, of which there are several. Yep. Of Four. which there are several. Um, you know, I think it's quite cool. Um, anyway, so he's, he's to be stepping down and Robert Downey Jr. said a lovely thing. Um, what did he, he say? He was like, I honestly don't know what I'll do without him as my co-star. There's something very Aww. special about being on screen with him. Which is Robert Downey Jr. lovely now that he's not a drug addict and an alcoholic anymore. And he's been paying more than most uh, Hollywood stars on the planet. Yeah. 
I'd be in a fairly chipper fucking mood if I was the highest paid male actor of all time. You wouldn't have these bags under your eyes. No, fucking hell, the state of me. Um, <laughs> it's fucking rough. Um, but yeah, yeah. Ben, oh. tell me about Rick and Morty. Oh, oh. Well, this kind of came out in a very interesting way. Um, it's a bit, bit of Twitter controversy as usual. Oh, you and your Twitter yeah. controversy. I, I love the pettiness of Twitter. It really is everything wrong with the the community that we love so much um and it just it just comes out horribly um when we do that um dan dan Harmon, creator of creator of uh rick and morty co-creator is 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 co-creator to be fair not not nearly as doesn't really carry as much of the workload as as our good friend mr roiland um in my opinion um (laughs) i got you i got you this time um but yeah, so he, obviously, the, the fan base is known to be quite toxic for the L Rick and Morty. Well, um, no, well, I'm a Rick and Morty fan and I've never no, no, said no. anything toxic. Okay, that's fair enough. Um, <laughs> that's very fair. But on the other hand, um, it, it seems to be synonymous with a, a particular demographic of people who feel that they're very intelligent. Yeah, they feel they're real Ricks. Yeah, they feel they're real Ricks and that they can relate to Rick. Well, what they don't um, realize is they're real Jerry's. So, yeah, um, and Dan Herman, I think, has a, has a serious issue with that attitude. Um, he, he's also quite interesting because he's not known for his social grace. No. Um, Dan tends to, to fly off the handle occasionally. He's um, a bit blunt. Yeah, he's also minorly alcoholic occasionally and, um, you know, has a rough L time, has a rough L time. So he received a, a tweet during the week from, from a man referring to himself as DJ Wise Pariah. Okay. So I think I think that's literally intelligent outsider in any other words. Um Yes, that is yeah, exactly what that That's means. exactly what it is in and I think that well, pretty much DJ sums up, intelligent outsider. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that pretty much sums up, you know, pretty much sums up the type of person he is. But just in case you were unclear about the type of person he is, this is the message you sent to Dan Herman. Quit wasting time and go finish the next R&M season, you lazy alcoholic. Run the jewels can get animators to make a music video, but we're waiting on them for the next season. Nah, we're waiting on you to finish writing it like that fucking book. So that's, that's, uh, a that's, book. that's the tweet. I think he's working on a little book somewhere. I, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Any, any man um, that starts a tweet by saying, quit wasting time and go finish the next R&M season, you lazy alcoholic, is probably fair to say a bit of a cock. And um, that's how I text you every week about doing the video for the podcast. Yeah, but you see, I've grown a thick skin over time and my social grace <laughs> is actually fairly strong. Um, also, I'm not an alcoholic. I'm very lazy and I probably should finish writing the next season of R&M. But, yes. but, now, uh, now, Dan Herman <laughs> classically kind of responded to this. And, uh, in a very I'd say start- he responded to it in a very measured and uh, <laughs> considered way. Actually, it's quite funny. I quite like his response, but I hear you tough spot on one hand it could be challenging especially with crippling lazy alcoholism to write a show that hasn't been ordered by the network on the other hand the thought that fans like you pay the price i mean i'm gonna i'm gonna grab a drink so like it's a very it's a solid response yeah Um, I, i quite liked it but what he inadvertently did there was reveal that the network hasn't ordered season four do you really think it was inadvertent, Ben? No, I think that's his way of, of giving the network the finger. Um, he, I think what this tweet reveals more is less than his lack of social grace, but rather more his uh, his 
tenuous relationship with any studio he seems to write for for yeah. longer than two seasons. He's just a very hard man to work with, I think. Yeah, and, he just ends um, up fighting with everyone. He just ends up fighting with everyone. Um, and He's like the male Catherine Heigl. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Um, some very obscure 2006 reference. Um, but yeah, because Catherine Heigl's not a big deal anymore. Sorry, Catherine. Um, she keeps fighting with everyone. Yeah, well, that's what you get for being a wagon. You don't get any work. Um, <laughs> that's what you get for being a wagon. Um, but anyway, um, so it's actually up in the air, the old, the old season of Rick and Morty. And um, it's caused uproar on the internet with people being like, no, Rick and Morty, bring it back. Um, and the whole reason this came up was um, that they animated a video for Run the Jewels. Run the Jewels, so hot right now. Run the Jewels, so hot right now. Black Panther soundtrack, um, other things. Uh, but the reason they're so hot... Um, <laughs> Welcome to Michael and Benny's music <laughs> podcast. So hot right now. Um, the reason they're so hot is they're marketing masters. Um, they turned their name, Run the Jewels, into RTJ, and it pops up all over the place, the acronym... They do a lot of viral marketing, things like that. So they, they really, they're kind of rappers by, by sheer force of will. It's kind of impressive. But anyway, in, in true run RTJ style, they've combined their forces with Rick and Morty. Not unlike Logic did uh, previously. Uh, Logic also had them up talk his new album in a little short as well. I don't know if you saw mm. that. No, I don't think um, I did. Yeah, so basically Rick is in the car with Morty. Um, they're driving along. And uh, Morty says, oh, geez, Rick, do you think we could have some tunes, you know? And You're breaking the rules, Ben. And, and Rick says, oh, I don't know, Morty, your taste, Morty, it's, it's not great, Morty. And, and then he's like, but I was going to put on Logic, Rick. And he was like, oh, well, Logic, lo- Logic, Morty, lo- Logic's amazing, Morty. I mean, I mean, we cannot put on Logic. You're breaking the rules, Ben. It's a whole Just thing. keep doing it. <laughs> anyway, anyway. So that like they've been doing that for a while. And obviously it's to keep everything relevant and kosher because... Adult Swim thrives on a really strong relationship with kind of hip-hop music and independent mm-hmm. music. That's how the whole network got started. Um, and I just think it's kind of silly that people are bitching and moaning. But there's the, it's, it's split the Rick and Morty fan base into two camps again. No, oh, no. Where you have the lads who are like, fuck the network, fuck Dan Harmon, give us our show. And then you have the other lads who realize that the show wouldn't exist without Dan Harmon um, or that network and don't see the point in bad mouthing either. Um, and there's a third camp. Is that is that us who aren't really invested in anything to go on the yes. show and just enjoy the programming? <laughs> is that is that the people outside of America who realize that you're not actually allowed to influence the culture you enjoy and you kind of have to take what you're given because that's how art works sometimes? No, I, I wouldn't say. I, I don't disagree with what you just said there, Ben. But um, no, just leave the man alone. Just leave, leave the man it. alone. He's the new George or Martin. Yeah, but he gets hacker. He gets stuff all the time, and then HBO put boobs in it, and everyone was like, "Ah, oh, Graham, we'll watch this one." Um, boobs in the books as well. Yeah, but I mean, print boobs versus you know, versus versus live action no, boobs. No comparison to the real thing, Ben. <laughs> no comparison at all. Ben, um, do, me a, do me a favor there. Um, get, take your elbow off the table. You keep bumping oh, it, I keep and bumping. I can hear you on my end. Oh, so that's the, terrible. The old, the old, the listeners are going to hear that. The listeners are going to hear that. Sorry, lads. And complain about um, us on Reddit. Look, lads, I'll be honest. I'm a, I'm a lazy alcoholic, and uh, <laughs> I should stop bumping my I should stop bumping my elbows on tables and get on with the podcast. So I'll do that. Um, Benjamin, yes. Um, where are you, how how's um how's life going over there in Italy? Is is it, is it going well? Ah, it's it's lovely over here. It's lovely and, over uh, here. 
what what sort of do you, uh, do you have uh, are, are there you, do you have do you have comic books over there? Uh, yeah, comic books everywhere. Um, Captain comic, America, for example, comic books everywhere. We've we've with the old Superman, Cap- Captain America, um, but it's in in Italian, um, obviously. Um, no, we we have comics over here, but surprisingly, um, Michael, the movies are more popular than the actual comics over here. Go on. Um, the comics don't really make it. Uh, in the same way and that's because michael and i don't know if you know this um and you know completely inadvertently but um europe has a really rich tradition of comic books that don't follow the superhero format oh yeah so i've just inadvertently stumbled onto a topic we could discuss good oh well do you know what that gets us out of a bind my friend that gets (laughs) us out of a bind sitting here scratching our heads drinking um yeah Oh man, that's great news. Okay, so that's the topic for this week then. Let's do that then, Ben. All right, ben let's do what, that then. What even are European comic books? Well, I mean, that's actually for the first time ever. I can't launch into any kind of easy, easy, surmisable Wikipedia article. European comics are quite massive and broad in in what they encompass, um, and I would say that there's a respect for comic books here as a storytelling format more than a model for superheroes. So, so. Mm. Depending on the country, and I guess yes. th- four of the big ones in Europe are obviously Italy, France, Spain, and Germany occasionally has some pretty strong um, comics out there as well. Um, That's interesting, Ben. I notice you're a Brexiteer. Well, I mean, okay, sorry. Oops. Did I forget about our, did I forget about our neighbours? Uh, I, <laughs> fuck. Um, I didn't mean to forget about our neighbours, but I did, um, and I um, I apologise for that, and I'll come back to it. We also have your classic uh, 2000 AD gangs, um, and I suppose if you're looking for an easy comparison between the two, European comics are far more adult, um, oh. and I don't mean with regards to levels of maturity or or you know deep thought Print, or anything like that. Printed boobs. Printed. They love. It. They love. Love, love, love a printed boob and a noisy a motorcycle. Yeah, a noisy Vespa. Ah, I'm going to pass the Ben's house. <laughs> Some Italian lad just heard the word printed boobs and hopped straight in his Vespa. <laughs> where, where do you put them? Um, yeah, so he's he's looking around. Um, and I think they have a far more um, adult tone. I think that could be said of a great deal of international comics, that the the adult tone of them... Um, is much stronger. But what I mean by that is, you know, they talk about abusive relationships a lot more. Um, you've you've kind of dark childhood pasts put into autobiographical form. Um, mm. You've got rampant infidelity. Um, you know, oh. and it doesn't necessarily... No, but the, the interesting thing is it doesn't necessarily make the character a bad person by, no. their, by their standard. So they're a flawed character. They're a flawed character, and that doesn't mean it's not a, a decent character to write. Whereas I think American comics are very well. No, they make Captain America a Nazi. Um, he got better though. He got better though, and he wasn't a real Nazi. It turns out it was a whole thing. Um, it was a hoax. So in in this case, you know, I think the darkest character Marvel had in a while was alcoholic Tony Stark, and they fixed that um, in a not so unheavy handed um, kind of public service announcement about the terrors and perils of alcohol. Um, Demon in a Bottle, great run. Go check it out. Bit cheesy. Um, but yeah. Um, and I think European comics don't give a fuck about that. I think they tend to kind of look at that really dark, ele- the really dark elements of, of being an adult and they, they put it into comic book form. So without further ado on that Hit one, me with specifics, Ben. Yeah, so I think one of the best examples of that 
you know, I love a hard boiled, you know, I love a hard boiled. Um, so one of the, the best examples of that is Black Sad. Have you ever heard of Black Sad? Black Sad. Black Sad. B-L-A-C-K. Black followed by the word. Yeah. No, all yeah. one word. All one word. Uh, Black right. Sad. And it's the, it's the eponymous name of the character, um, John Black Sad. Um, and John Black Sad <laughs> is a detective. Okay, um, good. Private, like that. private detective up for hire. Um, P.I. A private and, dick. And he wanders around um, helping people um, out of the goodness of his heart an awful lot of the time. Um, it's a really beautiful uh, period piece. It's done in these stunning watercolors. Uh, the series was created in 2000. Um, and it's uh, written by two Spanish authors, uh, Juan Diaz Canales and Juan Ho. Guaradino, I think. Um, and originally it was published by a French publisher called Dargaud. Uh, and um, yeah, it's really famous. But the unusual thing about this, Michael, is that they're all animals. <gasps> they're all animals. Classic. What it's a, a twist. What a twist. Um, like yeah. Disney's Robin Hood. Like Disney's Robin Hood. Um, so it's a big furry thing because there's some, there's, some there's some sexy women in it who are not human. Um, sexy rabbit ladies. Sexy cats. Like Lola Bunny. Sexy rabbit ladies, sexy mm. deers. Um, and that's not personally why I read it. It's actually quite well written and it's um, beautifully illustrated. Um, and the cats are used to show... Um, the, sorry, the different animals are used to show like racial boundaries and oh, things like, like that. Oh, Zootopia. Yeah, similar to that. Yeah, I guess actually now that you mention it, Zootopia is completely nicked from Black Sad. Disney's Zoopolis. Uh, depending, depending on, on where you are. But um, yeah, no, it's completely nicked from uh, Black Sad. It's a Disney version of Black Sad. Good, okay. Didn't even think of that. So there are there are four vol, sorry, five volumes. Um, Go on. And they come out in hardbacks. I think that's another thing that distinguishes European comics. They're big yep. fans of straight to trade paperback with no limited release. Um, they don't do weekly or monthly. They do volumes, mm. and they usually come in very nice hardcover editions. Um, that you can pick up. up. So there are five. There are five hardcover. Sorry, go on. Ben, you're you're leaning in and out of your microphone there, and kind of scaring scaring me a little. I'm having a moment. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I have a lovely. Um, I have a lovely asterisk ooh, thing here. Asterisk. I can't. I can't put my eye on it. I don't really like asterisks though, Ben. But I have a nice little album. I believe it's called. I think album is the word the Franco Belgians use instead why, of. Why do you not like? Asterix and Nobilix. I don't. I don't. Um, I well, like Ben from 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 an American comic. I like uh, a, a fantasy, a science fiction, a space opera, a Thor, that kind of thing. From a European comic, I like uh, a grim science fiction, uh, dystopia. Ooh. I. I I, I don't know much about the styles of European comics, but I don't like the kind of... It's just... It's not by cup of tea, Ben. The kind of cartoonish... There we go. Good man. Oh, the just... Car, what? Beautiful segue there, Michael. Keep I don't going. like playing into your hands Keep unless going. it's on purpose. Keep, you're like I don't putty. like the kind of cartoonish, kind of simplistic... The the best way I have to explain that Ben with my relatively limited vocabulary on this topic is the kind of Saturday morning esque. I'm not a big fan of Asterix and Obelisk. Ob, ob, what's his name? Obelix. That's the one. I'm not a big fan of Tonton. 
Uh, I'm not a big fan of that kind of thing. Okay, that's fair enough. I completely understand that. But it's interesting. Yes. It's very interesting that's that you opinion? brought up that style. No, it is very interesting that you brought up that style. Oh, um, oh thanks. That's not really a matter of opinion. It's quite an interesting thing that you, you hit upon. Because the second large factor is, despite all those adult themes, the art style can be very uh, whimsical. Mm. Will, we, will we say whimsical? Um especially in French comics and uh, especially in French comics um, so Dargaud the, I, I think it's Dargaud but I can't say that properly every time so we're not Dargaud. going to um, that's the publisher yeah and they publish a wide range of things but one of the ones they're most famous for is of course Asterix and Obelix um, mm-hmm. about the Gaul gang and what they get up to um, and then uh, you also have your Tonton um, which was published by Herge, um, and the company was Casterman who did all them. Um, but all of them have very simplistic styles, and they're simplistic art styles. They're quite, they're quite, yeah. Sorry, simplistic. No, but quite often the plots are very simplistic as well. Uh, there are other ones like uh, Gaston Legaf, uh, Blick et Montemel, which is very similar to Tantan. Um, this is a lot of fun. I'm having a lot of fun. Um, but then you have uh, Boulet et Bill, um, Un Amour de Coqueur, um, which is very strange. You have Lucky Luke. Um, you have The Smurfs. Um, and if you look at the art styles in each one of those, mm-hmm. they're incredibly similar. They're all kind of sprite characters, very shrunken down, very big eyes, very animated features. Um, yep. And sometimes they're adult, and sometimes they're not. But it's quite difficult because if you go in and buy one, you might get one that you can read to your kids, and you might get one that'll give them childhood trauma. Oh, but the art style will be the same. But the art style will be the same. So, for example, like, I'll, I'll give you a really key example. Um, ben, yeah, Ben, could you give me a really key example? I can, I can. I've got one oh, right good. here. So, what a segue. There's a, a really famous um, children's one um, called. Uh, oh, this is going to be so. Uh, Les Marsupilami. Uh, and it's about. Have you ever seen that weird um, leopard kind of dog cartoon with the really long tail? Oh, that guy with the springy tail. Yeah, so he's, he's French. Oh, I um, knew he was French. And he's for kids. Um, and Barbara the Elephant is another good example of that. Very much for mm-hmm. kids. And very nice styles, very good for kids. And they're about. So Barbara is about an elephant. Who's, who's also a prince. Whose mother is killed in the jungle. And oh, no. he, he's taken in and civilized in Paris. And he comes back to become the king of the jungle. Oh. So he's white knighted. Um, That's a bit racist, isn't it? It is a bit, yeah. Um, and then. No, I mean, you know. Black people from darkest Africa can be okay as long as white people step in and intervene and help them. Yeah, um, as long as they come to Paris and lose civilization. Is what that narrative says. To be fair, that's not about black people. French people think that about us. <laughs> I, th- I, can't count, I can count my hand the amount of times that uh, I've tried to be put in a crate and brought over to think, no, we can help you. Just get in the box. Um, we will teach you the rules of civilization. Civil, civilization. Um, yeah, and then the other one... Um, is um he's a spin-off he came from another one called uh who who are you talking uh, about sorry marsupalami um and it's just about him running around in the jungle um avoiding poachers 
So those are two nice ones for kids. On the other hand, another yes, one I want to hear about the trauma. On the other hand, there's another one called Josephine. Or Josephine. Oh. Um, and this one is about the exact same art style. But this right. one is about um, a 30-something Parisian woman mm-hmm. who runs around Paris having sex with people. Um, right. And has real trouble with her family. Um, because they judge her severely. Um, and she's under constant pressure to find the perfect man. And she kind of acts out doing that by having sex with all of them. Um, which is a bit of a jump in tone. It is, it is a slightly it's different tone. A bit of a jump in tone. Um, and it's quite interesting um, that you have that. So that style is, is not just for children. That's a style that's quite popular in France. You see and- it everywhere. Is that a is that a kind of genre convention sort of thing? If you were an artist working in Franco-Belgian comics, would someone say to you, "Now, are you going to do this in the?" Does this style have a name, Ben? I don't know if it has a name, Michael. Um, would they say, "Are you going to do it in the style comic, or are you going to do it in the style realistic?" Le, le style realistic. Um, no, I would imagine that it probably has something like a traditional. Um, it's the traditional French style, I suppose. It started that way, and it's it's kept it up for a very long time. Um, yeah, so it's it's interesting that you have that, and it, it it's quite jarring when you read a comic book that's full of you know adultery and and complex issues about sexual addiction and, and stuff like that, and you you're looking at a weird sprite character with an itty bitty waist and you know big eyes mm. and. I don't know. For me, I'm, I'm actually with you with regards to the animated style. It's quite jarring. It doesn't really deliver the message in the best possible sense. Well, that's not exactly what I was getting trying to get at. What I was trying to get at was that I don't like the I don't like the kind of episodic nature of a tantan of a of a of an Asterix and Obelix. I can't say that character's name. I don't like the the kind of little self-contained little world they're in, and they have a little adventure, and then yeah. everything wraps up, and everything's back where it finishes. And... and it's not; it's very yeah. There's no canon. There's no consequence to any adventure that Tintin has. Mm-hmm. If Captain yeah, Haddock dies a... of liver poisoning, he'll be back next episode. Like Sepieli puppet. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So you're not a fan. That's fair enough. Um, and I suppose again, another quality that's that's quite jarring about European comics: very serialized. Very serialized and very self-contained. Um, mm. We don't do crossovers that often. Uh, we don't mess no. with stuff like that. We yeah, love, you're right. We love, a, we love a limited run. We love a, we love a one-and-done kind of attitude to things. Mm. Um, and serialization has its own problems. And I think uh, somewhere that's very apparent is in Italian comics. Um, Go on. So Italian comics are um, kind of unique again. They have a really ben, long... Yes. when is Florence Comic Con? Florence Comic Con. Uh, now, the one of the events was last week, but that was kind of a precursor, as it turns out. I did pop along to take a look at that, um, and it was a bit of a precursor to two events they're having in May. Oh. Um, so uh, March twenty second was international. Uh, no, sorry, not international at all. Um, Florence Comic Book Day. Um, yeah. But the city itself doesn't celebrate all that much. You have to go to the auditorium where they were having the event. However, mm-hmm. as it turns out, that's more of an announcement thing for the kind of thing you can expect in May. Okay. For a double date. It's a bit of a hype machine. A hype machine. Um, but 
Rather interestingly, Italian comics have a massive history of serialization here. Um, two of the most famous ones being um, Dylan Dog mm-hmm. and Corto Maltese. Um, Hold on, we have to switch to Italian accents because we've been really yes, French uh, for a while. So you have uh, Dylan Dog and uh, Corto Maltese. Uh, I think it's Corto Maltese actually, but I'm not actually 100% sure. Um, so it, it's really interesting. Um, and I would say what drives 90% of Italian comics is male ego. Oh. Um, what, what, ben, what drives 90% of Italian it, it, end of, of sentence of, of Italy. <laughs> <laughs> Take yeah, that, Italy. So there's a lot of, there's, it's very much the strong, typically Italian hero, male. Mm-hmm. Uh, the mustache. Yeah, runs around, all the girls love him. Um, they fancy it. They fancy a roll around the hay with him. Uh, mm-hmm. He has his way, and they can never hold a grudge against him because oh, he's Dylan Dog, or oh, he's Corto Maltese, and it's just. Is Dylan Dog an actual dog? Uh, Dylan Dog is not an actual dog. Dylan Dog. Um, I don't know if you saw the very ill-fated, terrible movie adaptation in around 2010 with Brandon Ruth, former Superman Brandon Ruth. Yeah, shockingly shit. Um, they moved it from France, or they moved they moved it from Italy, where it's famous, to New Orleans, because you know why would you have a a story from a European comic set in Italy when you could have it in New Orleans, which is basically the same as Italy, because you know France, Italy, it's the same France, thing. Italy, if you're an American, Europe, producer, it's all Europe. It's all Europe. It's all Europe. It's all Euro trash to an American. Anyway, shockingly shit. Um, the comic itself is rather unusual. Do you know Mr. Rupert Everett? I've heard of him, yes. yes. Madonna's friend. Um, yes. He's um, famous, famous gay thespian, um, Rupert Everett. And the reason that I say the word gay is not because it's a defining factor of his personality, but he's quite openly an advocate for um, gay rights, uh, mm-hmm. gay sex workers' rights, and sexual disease um, awareness, treatment, and prevention. Um, okay. And he defines himself as uh, an openly gay thespian. So I, I think I'm allowed... Use it. And where are we going with this? Uh, anyway, he's <laughs> a very unusual man, and he his the start of his career. He didn't start so hot in England, but he did very well in Italy. Oh, really? Yeah, did super well in Italy and starred in several movies here. One um one of those was a very unusual existential movie called uh, Morte dell'Amor, Morte dell'Amor, which is love and death, um, which was the name of the character. He was Morte del Amor. Oh. That was his name. And what he was was a cemetery crypt keeper um, that looked after... He was a grave keeper. He looked after the the thing. But in this tiny little Italian... He looked after the grave. He looked after the grave. In this tiny little village, the dead started coming back in this little cemetery. Classic, yeah. When there's uh, no room left and what he does, And what he does every night is goes around the... Goes around the graveyard putting the dead back to the dead. <laughs> um, that's what he does. That's his whole gig. Um, and it's used to look at like various violently. philosophic. Yeah, he uses a gun. Um, okay. It's very philosophical. Um, he falls in love with a woman. She dies. She comes back. He can't put her down. Yeah, love and classic. death. Where do we draw classic the line? The vampire slayer does, does he get to sleep with, with the corpse of the woman he loves more than anything else in the world? Spoiler Ugh. alert. Nope. No, he doesn't. Oh, good. Um, oh, no, good. he does in the movie, but it has horrible consequences. Because you shouldn't oh, sleep. Because I don't know if you know this, Michael. 
Shouldn't sleep with dead people. No, um, don't shag a corpse. <laughs> don't shag a corpse. Definitely the name of this episode. Yeah, um, that was just serendipity, wasn't it? <laughs> it was serendipity. <laughs> anyway. Or we could, we could call it, why do Europeans keep shagging corpses? Anyway, this bizarre movie, um, which is weird. It's three episodic narratives in one movie. Classic um, France. Classic Italy in this case, but it, sure, it's all the same. It's all We've the same. covered that already. Uh, anyway, the man that wrote this movie was a man called uh, Tiziano Scalvi. Mm-hmm. Tiziano Scalvi. And a uh, huge fan of Rupert Everett. Uh, and then Tiziano Scalvi went on to write Dylan Dog. And that the movie, comic or the movie? No, the, the comic. And that movie is looked upon as kind of the prototype for Dylan Dog. Dylan Dog is a detective. That solves. Oh, ben, it's always detective. Supernatural. I love an L detective, um, and he's um, he's the again the eponymous hero is a detective that balances the world of the living and the dead and solves supernatural mysteries. It's That's like the same bloody premise. Uh, yeah, it's like if Scooby Doo wanted to get his end off um, all the time. <laughs> <laughs> That's the, <laughs> just the easiest way. Just shagging Shaggy's leg. <laughs> <laughs> like Zoink Scoop, give it over. <laughs> 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 um, yeah, so that's the whole thing. Okay, but it's still going. Um, the the series premiered in. Why is he called Dylan Dog? Uh, no particular reason. He's never okay. given a. So that, yeah, he's a dog. Um, and 1994 um, was when it kind of premiered. Um, and it's still going strong. It's this really weird. It's actually completely distinct from the French style in that it's quite realistic. It's quite reminiscent. Oh, it's style of, realistic. Uh, yeah, it's quite reminiscent of like 1940s or 50s cigarette ads, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Um, yeah. And it's all about Dylan Dog. Like he's just, you know, he's great and he's masculine and, you know, but he's also sensitive and brooding and like, yeah, it's nice. Um, and then we jump straight from that to another one um, called Corto Maltese. Mm-hmm. And Corto Maltese is a scallywag pirate sea captain uh, who oh, runs around classic. using his wit to get out of dodgy situations on the high seas, all the while making sure his mast goes to full sail. Um, no, very good. Um, in just about every poor young one that pops along. Um, <laughs> yeah. So um, th- this one was created by a guy called Hugo Pratt. And uh, Dylan Dog is a little tongue-in-cheek. Um, but Corto Maltese is deadly serious. Um, in other places. And it, it's kind of more like, um, it, I guess it's more like... Um, a sex comic. A sex comic, yeah. I was trying to figure out a way of saying that. But, uh, oh Jesus, the, all, the, all the lads are coming on their Vespas now. Um, they, just, they just heard the word sex comic and it's just rev, rev, rev. <laughs> where, where is the, the sex comic? Where is the Can sex comic? I like the <laughs> <laughs> By the way, to the nation of Italy that has let me come here, um, I'm really sorry, just in case anyone's listening, we're, we're just taking the mick. Couple of micks, taking the mick. Yeah, we, do. um, we don't have that many Italian listeners, Ben. I keep an eye on the stats. We're all right. Good, 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 good. But for those that are listening, please don't turn off. Um, unless you think it's funny, in which case tune on in. Um, yeah. But yeah, he is far more... So this one's a lot earlier, in 1967. Um, so he would share kind of contemporary status with things like Valerian mm. uh, which is a French comic um, and there's a lot of sex in these ones 
Yeah, good. There's a lot of riding. There's a lot of getting your leg over in space or getting yeah. your leg over on the high seas or getting your leg over with a corpse. Um, a lot of getting your leg, leg over. Um, and this is something, I think, that distinguishes European comics more than anything else. Um, or I think what people kind of gravitate towards when they're looking for an easy distinction. Very erotically charged. Mm, like Europe. Like... like <laughs> Like Europe, um, there's a lot of there's a lot of riding. Um, like and, Europe, Ben, and but it's kind of an understood part. It's like art house cinema. You know what I mean? Yeah. At some point, there'll be a very elegant woman who slips her blouse off softly, um, and there'll be an awful lot of slow motion thrusting and deep gazes. And oh, know, very good. You know, the, your your usual kind of you know, go for the Oscar. It's you're going for the Oscar sex scene. Your your Ben type of film, as a, <laughs> as opposed to your HBO, give the viewers what they want kind of sex scene. This is the look. Just look in his eye, make a gasp, get the Oscar. We can all go home. <laughs> all right, look him in the eye, give an old gasp, see what we can do. All right, that's what you've got going on there. Um, and you know, I don't think this is epitomized more than in a, than in a man than in a. An Italian comic book artist called um, Milo Minara here in Milo Milo Minara or Milo Minara. I'm not sure how it's said. But anyway, you may know him from a really famous variant cover. Or the the bloody... Oh, that guy! Yeah. The Spider-Woman's butt guy. Yes. So this is Milo Minara. But he has also illustrated... Ben, we'll stick an image in the video. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. He has also... Um, illustrated some things for um, Sandman. Mm-hmm. He frequently depicts any short story featuring desire for Makes obvious sense. reasons because he loves a woman with her baps out. Um, yeah, and he likes a nice big butt. Yeah. Um, he worked, he, he has worked prolifically here um, for many, many years. And he won an Eisner Award uh, for the best anthology with the Sandman Endless Nights saga. Um, he's also in the Jack Kirby Hall of Fame. Wow, Jack um, Kirby Hall of, Hall of Big Big Butts fame. Yep, yep, absolutely. Of um, and he's worked for Heavy Metal in the UK. Okay. He, but he's really what famous. Does he, what does he draw for Heavy Metal butts? Uh, no, the ape. The oh. ape and the ape was a strange comic where a woman had an ape sidekick and they went around solving adventures and maybe they had sex, maybe they didn't, which he later confirmed they absolutely did and caused uproar. Um, yeah, so he's he's that kind of guy, you know what I mean? Um, other other notable works for Mister Menara are the Adventures of Giuseppe Bergman, uh, Butterscotch, Click, and Indian Summer. None of which you've ever heard of. No, um, I've never heard of any of no, those. No, Do they have um, butts in them? They've they've got a lot of ass. Um, mm-hmm. But he's really he's really famous here, and a lot of older men really like him here in Italy. Um, they kind of grew up with his stuff, um, and he's kind of accepted as kind of the, you know when you couldn't get yourself a dirty magazine, you went and got yourself a Milo Manara instead. Oh, very um, nice. And um, he got a lot of stick for that Spider Woman cover, but I mean, it wasn't really his fault, was it? He was hired to do exactly that, and he yeah, did exactly that. Um, I think maybe what. I think why people got so annoyed about that one is he's famous for depicting women in a kind of titillation. Then very, titillation. very, but it's not even titillation with him. It's it's ridiculous. 
Um, I, well, I, one man's ridiculousness is another man's titillation. One of the images he's most famous for is a, a woman in in the middle of a packed Parisian street, and she's just having her way with herself um, wickedly. Um, I would include oh. it. I would include it in the video, but I doubt we'd. I doubt we'd be well, able to publish. I'm, I'm. How would I look that up on the internet, Ben? Um, just so I it's can on his avoid Wikipedia page. searching for it's it. It's on his Wikipedia page, so you don't have to. Just type in Milo Manara. How do you spell his name there? M I L O M A N A or A M A N A or A. No, yeah. Anyway, you get. Yeah, I get it. I get it. I get it. It's like it's like the song Banana. Yeah, yeah. By So anyway, um, but I think that really sexual tone is something that a lot of people focus on. Oh holy comics. god! Yeah, it's it's not subtle. Um, yeah, Ben, this guy is the most Italian-looking man I have ever seen in my yes, life. Yes, he is. He's awfully Italian. Um, Look at him. Yeah, he's fucking Italian. Um, the state of him. Um, <laughs> <That's> racist. <laughs> but anyway, anyway, I think before people leave this podcast thinking that that's the reason, the reason I outlined all that is to show you the difference, and it's really nothing like an American comic book. They don't espouse great values. They don't espouse the all-American ideal. They don't espouse good versus evil at all. What they do is they actually take things that a lot of people have to deal with in their lives um, and they turn them into comic book forms. Um, what I didn't manage things to... Things like finger-blasting yourself in the streets of Paris. <laughs> We've all done it, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> um, Jesus Christ. <laughs> but I think... Uh, there are some very beautiful examples. There's another pair from Spain. Like the Black Side comics are beautifully illustrated and they are they are far more artistic than an American comic book. They're far less stylized and they are like some of them are done in pure oil painting and they take, you know, years to complete because they're done mm-hmm. from oil painting from start to finish. Um, others are done in beautiful watercolors. There's a really famous... Have you ever heard of Fabio Moon and Gabriel Ba? No. Okay, two Spanish brothers... Um, possibly oh that could get me in trouble they could be Mexican uh, but Spanish speaking at the very least um, and it's a European style comic European style comic absolutely oh well done Ben we've sidestepped that nicely but they do they do <laughs> um, they do a lot of work for Image and Vertigo and they have brought that European style of comic and done extremely well with it you know Casanova you know the series um, Casanova Frankenstein Yes. No, not Casanova Frankenstein. That's that Casanova weird. Frankenstein <laughs> was the bad guy from... Yeah. No. What was... Casanova, what was Casanova Frankenstein, Frankenstein from Mystery Men. Mystery Men. That's Mystery who he Men. was the bad guy. Oh, Jeffrey yeah. Rush. Jeffrey Rush. Um, yeah, but they kind of took that style and they make really... One of the comics they do is a famous one called Daywalker. Um, not Daywalker as in... Or Day Tripper. Day Tripper, sorry. Day Tripper. Day Tripper. Yeah. That, and that one. It's about a man who lives every variation of his life. Um, and there's no scandalous, you know, Captain America doesn't become a Nazi in it or, you know, Batman doesn't marry someone and then divorce her two issues later. What he does is, in every version of his life, he falls in love with a different woman. Right. And each, each woman that he meets causes a different end to his life. Oh, um, very clever. And by the end of the comic, you kind of realize that he... Not necessarily deserves it, but it's quite sad. It's quite poignant by the end of the... Because some of the ones he has a very happy life and other mm-hmm. ones he doesn't. 
and you get invested in this character in a really serious way and it's beautifully illustrated and told very well and I think it exemplifies the form in kind of an amazing way I think European comics have a lot to offer I've given you kind of some of the sillier examples of that um, but it's used in some beautiful ways to sell some beautiful stories and really goes back to what what people like um, Will Eisner were trying to do with the form where it's it's simply a nice way to tell a story um, and you know not have to worry about big budget movies or anything like that it's a nice visual way to show a story um, Persopolis is another great example of that um, I, you, you know Persopolis? yeah yeah, Persopolis is is the autobiographical work of um, of a Turkish. Is it Turkish? I always get that wrong. I think she's Turkish. Yeah, she's Turkish, but she moves forgot, to Austria. Her name. Yeah, it. She moves to Austria, and it's all about her coming of age as a Muslim woman in Austria at a time when that was unheard of. And then I think you know. Again, that style has bled into other things. Whoa. I think. I think Watchmen is is massively influenced by. European comics and comics. I think Alan Moore is massively influenced by the European style of comic book telling. Um, mm-hmm. Where you have these serious adult themes, and Vertigo owes a huge amount to European storytelling. Look at Sandman. Sandman, for all its quirks, is probably more a European work than it was ever an American work. Um, a lot of other things as well. I mean, uh, Saga certainly yeah. has a Europeanness to it as well. Absolutely. Because it, what it is is. It's an understanding that to have a comic book doesn't mean that you have to be virtuous and pure and, you know, fight the good fight. It means, and likewise, you don't have to have an anti-hero that's an absolute dickhead and wanders around chopping people's heads off. You can have a complex character, well-rendered, to tell any kind of story that you choose to have. Um, But anyway, anyway, that's my take on it, Michael. Sorry, I've just kind of taken up the whole podcast. Yeah, welcome to bloody welcome to bloody Benjamin's podcast. Sorry, sorry sometimes about featuring that. Michael. Sorry, you're the worst. Sorry about that. <laughs> no, that's all right. Um, and look, you obviously have a lot to say about this. Uh, this will not be the last time we talk about a European comic. Absolutely for sure. not. But I think image wouldn't exist without European comics. The concept of images. No, no image comics publishing. Yeah. Um, because what they do is exactly that. They take a bunch of people they give them creative driven driven stories and they do incredibly well out of that format um and i think they owe a lot to that um anyway um if you'd like to check out some really interesting kind of more literary works of, of comic book fiction um mm-hmm. black sad is a massive recommendation um there's another yeah, one. I just had a look at some of it there on Google. Uh, very nice. Yeah, very it's, nice it's art. very nice. Source some of that yeah, from my local comic book shop. It's very nice. Um, other ones, always check out Sandman. We we can't we can't pitch that one enough um, over here. Mouse is a very famous American comic book, but it was inspired completely um, by European uh, style comic books. Um, mm-hmm. Then you have uh, Incognito, which is a graphic mystery from Vertigo. It's all about um, a black journalist who has to cover lynchings in the South. Um, wow. Yeah. Um, and it's a really interesting work. And then um, I think it's just a really interesting way to tell a story. I think for people who aren't super literary or don't know how to write a novel, because novels are fucking tough. Um mm-hmm. But so are good comics. But I think it's a nicer way to to kind of tell their story without having to worry about the perfect way to express themselves. They can do it with images. And you get some really beautiful kind of poignant stories out of them. Um, 
And uh, yeah, so that's that's why I like European comics. Some of them can be silly. Some of them are for pure enjoyment. Um, but some of them have serious serious messages to get across, and they do it very well. So uh, yeah, hooray! That's that's me. How about yourself, Sweet. Michael? Any anything else? Ben, look, I I, I have some, but we're, we're we're spinning up to fifty five minutes here, so I think we'll, we'll All right, wrap fair it enough. up for today. Um, for I would, look, uh, what I would recommend, and I'll talk about them another day. But I'm also recommending them to you because I know you haven't read them. Is uh, Metabarons? Metabarons, it's quite like Metabarons is a French um, space opera kind of June esque uh, intergenerational family saga of space space horribleness. Well, that sounds bloody amazing. It's very good. It's very strong indeed, and that's actually a spin off of another comic book called the Incal. Incal, which is a. Uh, it's it's another you'll you'd like it Ben I think it's okay. a it's a space space soap opera intergalactic weirdness but the main character is a private detective oh Christ and sometimes bodyguard who uh, he he's uh, he's not really a hero he's a real bad egg oh, but wow. he he gets on with his business and mm. um, and that's illustrated by the more the Mobius man oh Mo we never got around to Mobius. Pops. Look, we'll talk about another day, Ben. Right, yeah, we could do. It's a not whole... like we're running out of podcasts. Yeah, we could do a whole episode on Mobius. To be fair, um, I'm definitely going to have a look at that. Ooh, yeah, you have a look at that. It's called the Incal, Jesus. and it's been off Metabarons. I prefer Metabarons. Jesus. Um, and Metabarons is actually very good as a kind of intro to European comics for someone who's more used to American comics. Thank you very much. That was much more useful. Um, uh, you no, know, go on. Yeah, no, we wrap it up there. Yes. Yeah, so if you have anything that you love very much, uh, European-wise, if you're a European listener and you think I've missed one, which I definitely have because it was not a comprehensive list by any stretch of the imagination, um, yeah, let us know down below. Um, yeah, do. And if you read them, let us know what you think about them. Do you do you like a do you like a, a an objectified woman? Do you do you like a deep emotional abusive storyline? Do you do you do you fancy looking at some cartoon boobs? Um, let us know down below in the comments, or don't keep that stuff to yourself. And remember, ladies and gentlemen, don't shag a corpse. Okay, bye.